0: What is happening, ladies and gentlemen, Clay here with Blockbites, and welcome to Blockbytes Daily Show. We are live on this beautiful Wednesday, breaking down all the latest topics from around the industry, such as Bitcoin looking for that strength. Uh, a prominent crypto figure has returned, but what should we make of it? LSDs are exploding, and no, this is not the 1970s. The Ethereum Shanghai upgrade is upon us. Is this a market opportunity or is this doomsday? We got special guest, Justin Beavis, big brain from the Bite Masons here to join us live. Uh, We're gonna break it all down right here, right now. Let's let it ride. What up, what up, what up? How you guys doing? Oh.
1: Doing good. Both muted. (laughs) There we go.
0: (laughs) There they are. What's going on, gentlemen?
1: Oh, you know, hanging out, checking out the new uh, Reliquary Beats video. Nice.
0: My Beats. It's dude. My Beats. It's exciting. What's
2: that first evolution? Is that a tadpole? What is that? what do you mean (laughs) they have uh um the first picture on their uh relic as as part of their 12 part or 11 part evolution is uh it's something that looks like a tadpole
1: yeah (laughs) but it's not
2: a tadpole so it'll probably
0: morph into uh into something we'll find (laughs) out
1: <laughs> cool. uh, Just little beats and diapers dude little yeah. beats and diapers. Cor-
0: Corval, where are you buddy
1: uh i'm thinking like the foothills of georgia like i got turned around somewhere nice. um but yeah man it's beautiful in it it's permanent nice. sunset
0: It's tranquil yeah, wow. i like it uh beavis good to have you back man it's been it's been too long since i've been on a stream with you buddy yeah
2: happy to uh to be here uh I know I'm like a poor substitute for Austin, but uh, I'll try my best.
0: (laughs) Oh, it'll be great, guys. It's going to be a good show. We had a ton to cover today, guys. Uh, If you're just tuning in, uh, thanks for joining. Thanks for watching. Hit the like button. Let your friends know that this daily show is happening Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at noon. Uh, We want to grow the viewership. It's going to be awesome. It is awesome. Uh, And hopefully everybody feels the same way. Share some feedback in the comments. Let us know what you like, what you want to see more of, all that kind of stuff. Uh, if you guys are ready, I'd say let's let's get this party going. Yeah. Yeah. Comment now or die, yeah.
2: by the way, since I'm on <laughs> the show. I'll threaten you.
0: <laughs> there we go. You heard it, you heard it here first. So uh like most shows that we've been doing recently, we're gonna start with a, a bit of market outlook and a little bit of building from uh from the momentum and conversation that we started yesterday. And so let me uh let me pull some stuff up on screen here. Uh ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. boom. All right. So, you know, so what do we have going on in the market right now? Right. So uh, if we take a look at the fear and greed index, we are still neutral and we were neutral yesterday. And I'm not surprised that we're still neutral because not a ton has changed. Uh, And so, you know, there's not I guess that's not a a huge shock. Right. So still neutral on the fear and greed, which I think is about right. Uh, Jumping over to sort of the crypto bubbles of how the market is doing. So looking at the top 100, we're actually seeing a decent amount of green today, and that's because Bitcoin made a decision uh, on directionally uh, from the uh, symmetrical triangle that we were evaluating yesterday. Uh, direction was decided. The question is whether it can keep it or not. Uh, so the top 100 uh, has some nice green in it. And if we look at the top 500, it's actually a mixed bag uh, of green and red. And, and that's really because you know we're going to look at Bitcoin in a second. But even with that direction, there's not a lot of strength. And so you know if you think about it, the way you know capital rotation happens bitcoin uh, the large cap alts into kind of the the, the mid cap alts into the the shit coins. and so not shocking to see the top 500 be a mixed bag with what we have going on with bitcoin so let's jump over to bitcoin and we're going to we're going to keep this market uh, outlook quick What soon. about this
2: Koval here is that you saying? dude Koval what the heck they're
1: using that. <laughs> I mean, up 16%. I wish it was, dude. I need a piece of that. That's it's using my brain, <laughs> dog. <laughs> we got, we got. Yeah, we will we'll file a lawsuit on
0: that. We
1: word. gotta get to the <laughs> bottom of this, Covell. I talked about Corval Coin too much and never followed through. This is the price I pay.
0: That's right. It's over. That's <laughs> right. So, so jumping over to Bitcoin, right? So yesterday, if you, if you tuned in yesterday, we went through this this chart and and effectively said that there was a pretty clear, noticeable, uh, symmetrical triangle that was forming here. And yesterday, we were about right here in the triangle towards the very end. And so we were either going to have a breakdown, which means we, you know, we were going to lose support uh, on the bottom of the triangle and, and head down, or we were going to break up uh, and, in a bullish fashion and uh, break out of, of sort of the descending pattern uh, and potentially look for some bull activity or some bullish movement in Bitcoin. I said yesterday that I was still bullish, and I thought that we would break to the bullish side. Uh, and if I was wrong, you could come troll me and tell me I'm a piece of shit interestingly we broke down uh during u.s trading so while while the u.s stock market was live we broke down uh it was asia that stepped in i was sitting on the couch like 8 30 night asia steps in and volume starts to pump in uh and it's been that way for the last like four or five six seven days which is quite interesting and so around eight thirty at night we we saw this uh this correction blasted back through uh and then out of the um of this symmetrical triangle and so what we said yesterday is we were waiting for the four hour to really close above that line of resistance uh which you know it did but we were looking for strength in volume after that happened and you can see right here we're not seeing a ton of great volume like if you look at these volume bars like this is the kind of buying volume we'd like to see in a continuation here and so a key level is twenty three thousand eight hundred. uh it was set Back in January, and there has been an ongoing battle to get through 23,800. It broke through once and then and then got pulled back. Uh, and so you know, so basically what we evaluated yesterday played out uh, the way that we thought. We looked at the RS, RSI's coiling, very similar to the way they did back in mid-Feb, where we saw a really nice run up from 16 to 25, uh, and we saw very similar uh, setups. And it has played out the same way. Unfortunately, uh, the strength has not been there to get us uh, over 23,800 into you know, 24,000 and higher. And so, uh, you know, that was it. It was a it was a interesting call and it's interesting to see how it goes from here. Um, this tweet was sort of what we were describing, right? So if we broke the, the 23,800, 900 level. You could expect a run up to 25,000 or retest of 25,000. Uh, you know, this individual says Monday high taken out in confluence with January, as I as I stated, uh, clear invalidation of lower time frames and high time frame bears are now invalidated as well above 24K and a great shot at new yearly highs. Uh, I'm certainly not going that that far, but, uh, you know, but I think a retest of 25 is certainly on the table if we can keep the strength. So uh, where are we now? We're we're watching to see if that volume on Bitcoin picks up, and I'm particularly interested in what happens when Asia wakes up. I guess it would be tomorrow, uh, at eight, you know, 8 p.m. Eastern time, our time, to see if volume comes in. Uh, you know, buyer beware. Like the the uh, the S and P just crossed below the 200-day moving average, which is a bad sign for uh, the S and P and macro. You know, for equities. Uh, and Bitcoin is very much tied to equity. So even with this nice push in Bitcoin, I'm still paying attention to what happens here. Uh, if we start tanking uh, on the S&P, I would imagine that Bitcoin would also lose strength. And if we drop b- below 23200 everything I just showed you is invalidated and we are probably headed down. So uh, I'm going to continue to pay attention to, do we get that through 23800 Uh And I actually entered phantom at like 42 cents last night once we validated uh this move up um and you know so this will be the stuff that I'm watching uh this is a, this is an interesting article and we don't have time to talk through it now but I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it in the um I'm gonna leave it in the, the comments section of this video you should go read it it's uh it's basically the bear case for the S&P 500 and it lays out a ton of different scenarios as to what might happen uh, and effectively the TLDR is, uh, if we continue to trend down on the S and P, which if you look at the monthly, that's all we've done. Uh, there's a case to be made that we could see, uh, about a 19% drop in the S and P down to about 3,200, uh, basis points, uh, which would be quite bad for all risk on assets. So I'm going to leave it there, uh, but I am going to put the article in. I really, you know, for, look for risk mitigation, risk management pur- purposes. I highly recommend you read it because it's good to understand both sides of the equation. What's happening with Bitcoin? What's happening with the equities market? They are intertwined. They are tied, uh, whether we like it or not. And uh, and that's what we got. So, uh, with that said, gentlemen, I tried to keep it short, and I think we can. <laughs> so
1: so la- yesterday the call was like if if it didn't break above, they could call you a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And flame you. What uh? What's your call today that they can flame you for if you're wrong on? What are, what are you gonna hang your hat on today, Clay?
0: I I I think that Asia steps in. I, I think 8:30 p.m. Eastern, Asia steps in and and, and punches us through that 23,800 into the 24,000 zone, and and we continue higher. All I think right. the only way that that you know maybe doesn't happen is is if the S&P just absolutely tanks, or if the markets and the equity sides get absolutely absolutely uh, crushed today. But if if I'm making a call. It's that Asia saves the day once again, as we've seen for like the last five or six days.
1: Oh hell yeah! All right, class. So you take notes, and if he's wrong, then we blow him up tomorrow.
0: <laughs> Come grill the shit Keep out. Blow
1: him up, bro. <laughs> That's right. Hey, if you're if you're watching this video, hit the
0: like button, guys. Uh, you know, say everything you'd like in the comments. That's literally the point of the show. We want to have some fun. Uh, so troll us. Give us your opinions. Give us your feedback. Right now, let us know if you think the market's going up or down. I'm curious where you guys stand. Uh, so. Look, we got a lot to cover onto the first topic, and I think it's an interesting one. It's an exciting one. It's something we've seen happen a bunch of times in this industry, dude. It happens all the time uh, where prominent figureheads come out. They do great things. They do terrible things. Uh, you know, shit happens. They disappear, and then they come back. Uh, and so, you know, I've got the tweet pulled up here, but uh, basically, Danny Sesta is a prominent figurehead in DeFi. And if you've been around in DeFi since you know 2021, I'd say, you probably know who he is. And if you don't, I'll give you a bit of background. So he's the creator of, of Popsicle Finance, which is a multi-chain yield aggregator across like nine different chains. Uh, he's the founder of Abracadabra Money. They started Mem Stablecoin, which you've you know, potentially heard of. Uh, he founded Wonderland Time, which was an ohm fork. I was in Ohm like back when it launched uh, and was part of that sort of debacle. Uh, Wonderland had an equal debacle on the time side uh, on Avalanche. Uh, and he had his hand in the solidly launch with Andre Cronier, and was sort of the leader of Frog Nation, which was enormous, uh, you know, kind of going through the bull run that we just had. So the dude has done a lot. He's done a lot for the space. He's built a lot of things. Uh, and as of this, you know, as this tweet alludes against all odds, I'm still here working on Popsicle finance, sad who didn't believe that I'm back for real. So, uh, that's the, that's the context. Um, I'm going to kick it over to you guys. You know, what, what do you make of this? Like, like, does it matter? You know, MIMS still has, you know, the stable coin still has $116 million market cap. Um, Popsicle finance is still building. What do you think?
2: Um, I mean, I don't think he is part of MIM anymore, um, him him, or Sifu. Uh, I mean, really, like, what we saw for the past 9 to 10, 11 months is teams going on life support, a lot of teams, a lot of builders, either going on life support or just closing up shop. Um, you know, I would say Danielli is really good at raising money, really good at building hype, really good at kind of capturing narrative. I don't know if he still has the power to do that. And I'm very, pretty confident, I guess, not very confident that uh, he doesn't have the execution power because he had all the resources in the world. He had a a pretty positive reputation and he still couldn't execute on vision. Um, And now a lot of that is tarnished He's probably lost a lot of his uh, team. He's probably lost a lot of his supporters. And if he couldn't execute then, I, I don't see him being able to execute now. Um, but uh, we will see. I imagine he's just going to fork Uni V3 um, and, you know, maybe fork Arrakis or something and uh, incentivize uh popsicle positions or whatever, incentivize Univ3 positions. So we're going to see a lot of that, uh, starting in April. Um, a lot of teams are preparing to just fork Uniswap. Um, and I think a lot of them are going to be in for a rude awakening. Uh, well,
0: why is that? Beavis?
2: Well, you know, frog nation is, is like a retail, you know, pump group, essentially, right. you know what right. I mean? So, yep. uh, Univ3 is not a retail product. Um, yeah. and, and of course, you know, Popsicle has this tech that makes it a little more retail friendly, but their tech was invalidated. Um, they could not win market share. Uh, you know, they round tripped $60. It just is not, um, that promising to me. And I think a lot of teams are going to be in for that same rude awakening. They're like, Oh, UniV V3. You know, mm-hmm. it'll, it'll make a, a token go up. You, you deploy UniV V3. You know you fork whatever your token will go up great um will it gain adoption will it gain market share will it do anything i'm not totally sure um you know it's kind of like uh you know the sushi solidly whatever thing um people are going to try to vampire attack uni b3 um it's going to fail miserably and uh things will go back to how they were a few months later Uh, okay
0: so That's we talked fine. about univ 3 yesterday uh, on yesterday's show, and about the fact that the license was expiring and was going to be forkable. Potential <laughs> impacts of that. Uh, one one impact that I know Danny does have is is at least from what we see in this chart is you know when when he tweeted that out it was about right here. I don't know. I'm sorry. It was about right here, and so you know there's been a, a really decent spike in in the price of ICE, which is the the token for popsicle, uh, Corval. From a perspective of like. Figureheads, heads like what's a better term for these folks but there's a lot of them in crypto who like come back you know what do you make of that man like their is it, it's probably undeniable in a lot of ways but like is this one that you think uh has that I type mean, of
1: yeah they're, they're like uh it's like personality cults right um i think but maybe like less like even than like a personality cult because they fall in love with like a person it's more like this person can make me money um yeah, so everyone's saying I'm C, or no, I'm Danny. Oh, <laughs> not, <nah. But, laughs> no, nah, dude, I, I, uh, you're not gonna like what I. I don't really, I don't really like guys like Danny too much, uh, yeah. to be honest. Um, because kind of like what Beavis is saying, most of his advantage seemed to be kind of in marketing, creating like a Frog Nation, mm-hmm. amassing a huge amount of essentially capital he could just like pump into a project, right? um but without his reputation with his reputation being somewhat tarnished uh his ability to recreate that i mean yeah we saw like a pump on popsicle but didn't people say it round trip like 60 bucks or something like yeah let's let's fantastic. zoom out like fantastic this yeah. is awesome
2: i mean that's like the that's like the bid on hertz you know that's like uh you know there's always going to be when coins are liquid people are willing to just gap way up Um yeah you know it it I just like even even if he perfectly executes univ v3 even if he perfectly integrates popsicle even if he can find a way to create market separation between him and the actual univ v3 which I think will be impossible like yeah. a lot of people are gonna be like oh we'll, we'll make uni v3 but we'll focus on shit coins because DGens love that and then they realize <laughs> univ v3 wasn't made in to any respects that. for shit coins you right. know mm-hmm. um, and we're going to see that again and again and again and again after April, and it's going to be like like wonder what was made for shitcoin solidly, you know and I think
1: uh, uh, I think the, go the, ahead. the one thing we can really confidently say is I think Danny will make money coming back because of these narratives, right he's like a good guy at playing the narrative, but like he was just saying whether it's going to be a lot like a project that you know you want to hold on to for five years or whatever probably not probably something you want to hold on to for six months also probably not
0: yeah i mean i i can't even speculate there like you know the the stuff that worked it worked because really because there was a retail you know mass army in frog nation And, and and by the way they also i mean i i beavis you would maybe argue otherwise but it seems like they built pretty good products for what they were doing at the time um in terms of like you know ease of use adoption all that sort of stuff so the one thing i will say about this this industry it, it like it's very fickle and people have very short memories uh, from what i've gathered over the last five years and people can reinvent themselves and we see it happen time and time again uh you know if, if doquan can turn luna into 80 billion dollars after uh after being the founder of uh, Basis Cash, then anything is possible, whether it's good or bad, in my opinion. So, um, you know, I, I don't know what the, you know, the ceiling is for, for what Danny does next, but the guy is uh, pretty charismatic and there will be a new bull run at some point and there will be a new horde of retail that pours in at some point who probably didn't experience the shit that we experienced 2020, 2021, 2022. So there's an opportunity to rebuild things like frog nation, in my opinion. Uh, And that guy has the sort of the tools uh, from a, like from a charisma perspective to pull that off. So it'll be damn interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, But that's, that's kind of my perspective.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, you know uh, if you just think of it like same deal, this isn't, don't think of it like tech. Don't think of it like a project. Think of it like a social token, you know. Um, and the man knows his pumpamentals. Uh, so, yep. um, you know, play it at your own peril, uh, but don't really expect anything as far as, you know, real market penetration goes, I would say.
0: All right. Well, it's going to be uh, fascinating to play out, guys. And and uh, I'm sure you can follow along on the daily show. Well, I, I guarantee we'll be talking about it again because uh, things are certainly. Uh, going to materialize. So let's hop to the next topic. And I think it's a very, very important one. Um, If Austin was here, he'd make a joke about loving LSD. Uh, He's not here, but I guess we could still make that same joke. It ain't so bad. But we're not talking about LSD, the drug. We're talking about liquid staked derivatives, and they are a big primitive in DeFi. They are a big primitive in crypto. If you are a proof of stake chain, uh, you probably have an LSD product in some way, shape or form. Uh, so why are we talking about it? A, you guys need to know what it is. It's super important. B, it's really good to use in DeFi. If you, if you actually use it to your advantage, you can have no impermanent loss liquidity pairs. Uh, you, can, you can actually stake your tokens and then get a receipt token for it and borrow against it. You can do all kinds of things that, that really just weren't possible before uh, liquid staking derivatives existed. And so if we look over at uh, good old DeFi llama, the llama, Uh, what we see is liquid staking uh, protocols have become the second largest um, uh, crypto. So basically liquid staking replaces DeFi lending as the second largest um, sort of product in the crypto sector. That's how much momentum it's picked up. Uh, I'm going to say one more thing and then shut up. And basically uh, liquid staking derivatives. So, It's basically a protocol that enables you to earn staking rewards on your token. So if you have phantom, um, you can deposit them in like a stator labs and they give you back a receipt token uh, that is tradable um, for what you've staked and you're earning interest on that and and some other things. So basically it is a way to deposit uh, your phantom. It gets put into a validator. You earn interest and rewards based on what the validator earns. Um, So it's an appreciating asset. Uh, and you get a receipt for your deposit. So uh, all of that said, um, Biba, is, there, is, there, is, is that a clear way to explain it, or is that a shit way to explain it?
2: Um, yeah, I think that's a fine way to explain it. I think uh, the example here is probably Staked ETH, ST ETH and, and Lido DAO. Um, that's where all the hype is really drumming up. And you know, um, we'll maybe talk about this a little bit more later, but the LST narrative is getting stronger and stronger because over time exposing yourself to these liquid staking derivatives is getting less and less risky, which is really exciting. So kind of, uh, you know, the narrative between businesses and between insiders for the past year has been, ah, you know, uh, DeFi is a low interest rate phenomenon. You know, DeFi yield products just don't work. Um, You know, sad, depressing, wah, wah, wah. Um, But, you know, that was all said, knowing that ETH POS kind of changes the game. So now we have yield products in these liquid staking derivatives that are extremely scalable. Um, so think about them kind of like, uh, you know, treasury bonds for Ethereum. So now you have, you know, potentially the ability to scale tens of billions of dollars and and probably more um, and more you know, scale yield products that way. Uh, so right now, liquid staking derivatives are massive because, you know, people can't just hold this token. It's, it's as easy as buying it on Uniswap or buying it wherever uh, and expose themselves to really consistent, projectable yield. And they can structure that into their portfolio, into their budget. And, you know, kind of it, this is the whole reason we built Ethos Reserve, for example. It's like, you know, there is now this new base layer of yield. The problem is it's yield on volatile assets being, being network tokens. So now how can we take this super scalable yield? How can we take the tens of billions of dollars uh, at 5.5% APY that we can generate? And how can we turn it into stable asset yield? Um, And, and that's kind of, you know, the driving force behind that. And we're going to see, you know, Sure, for now it's ethos, but more and more and more people are going to be building yield products that have real product market fit um, on top of these liquid staking derivatives, and um, it's it's going to unlock a lot of potential for DeFi, like more than I think people realize. Um, it's like how how much of TradFi is built on the Fed rate? You know, there we go. Um, that was the question
0: I wanted to ask you, Beavis. Was like yeah, like when, when Coinbase has base. And then liquid staking derivatives have KYC and and, and all the things that like all the institutional primitives that are going to be required. Do you think that do you think that liquid staking overtakes DEXs as the largest crypto? uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: Either liquid staking or products derived from liquid staking. So we're going to see yield products like go through the roof now. You know, you look at the bond market, it's, you know, how like one hundred fourteen trillion dollars. You know, people want. Risk for yield. And and now, like when people are managing their D finances, they ha- they can essentially create these sharp ratios. They can be like, okay, this is what I expect to make off this. Here's you know the standard, the four percent. And now we're gonna see, you know, over the next year, two years, three years, four years, the ecosystem mature so, so, so much because we have a baseline of expected returns in DeFi. And and we just need to build on it, and that's gonna be um happening infinitely but what do you yeah. think Corball?
1: um i mean i don't know i think you kind of covered it pretty beautifully there i mean i don't really have much to add i do think uh yeah you do it's exciting really <laughs> i mean i think it's a really cool idea to have that kind of like risk-free yield these more like stable assets because and it and it does make it more accessible to to greater retail so yeah. it, it does make sense. I didn't really consider it till, till just now, but yeah, it makes perfect sense. It will totally overtake DeFi because it's like more of a risk off, but still a yeah. sizable return.
2: Yeah, it's still like you're, you're exposed, of course, to whatever the underlying assets volatility mm-hmm. is, which is the problem. Again, you know, yeah. we're making ethos. I'm sure other teams down the road will make other ways to take that yield and package it into a really nice, uh, you know, secure, stable um product but it is like it's a game changer and and we'll look at I mean we'll look at ethpos as the beginning of kind of a new era and I've said it you know back in the day on across the chains and I'll keep saying it it's just like this is this is turning what was pure infrastructure to like an actual economy um and you know now we can actually price loans and we can underwrite stuff a lot better um and it's just magical. So, good, good job to the Ethereum team. Good job to Lido Dow and Rocket Pool and Stator and all those.
0: Yeah. Cool so, you can, you can see the biggest ones here. I mean, you know, Lido, Lido, however you, whichever pronunciation you use, you know, 9.61 billion. Obviously, that's uh, got to be 95% Ethereum, is my guess. But um, I don't know if Solana is a big one too, there. But Rocket Pool is huge. I mean, Anchor, Frax is in the game, Stator's down here. Uh, a lot of key players that are across a lot of different chains. Look, I, I know from my perspective, like when when liquid staking came to Phantom from Stater, um, it really was a game changer. And so, you know, I pulled up the Stater labs and and uh, I didn't know you guys. Do you guys do you, do you guys have an AMA with Stater tomorrow? I thought I saw that in the comments.
2: Yeah, Stater BNB we do <laughs> in it. our Discord.
0: Yeah, they said this was a shameless show for Stater. That's actually not true. I just have talked to that team a lot, and they're damn smart. And so I uh, I really enjoy uh, yeah. talking to them and just seeing what the stuff they build is badass. But like one of my buddies, who's like not in the industry, texted me yesterday and said, "Hey, when you guys say acronyms on the show, can you just say what it actually means? Because like I I don't understand what you're talking about." So that was a, an interesting point. Uh, that I'll try to do moving forward because not everybody's deep into DeFi and, and people are trying to learn. But I'll, like on the Sader platform, just like really clarify, like if you're sitting on Matic, you can come in and, and deposit it here, uh, you know, obviously connect your wallet and then they're going to give you back uh, Matic X in returns. So, so, you know, stake Matic and use Matic X while earning staking rewards. So you deposit your Matic, you get a receipt token in Matic X, you're going to earn 5.76% AP Why? Because they've uh, basically taken your Matic, put it into different validators that they have relationships with, that they vet uh, and that they know. uh, And you're going to earn passive APY uh, in in, the form of like appreciation, basically. Uh, And that's kind of how it works. So like just to really, really base case lay it out there to Justin's point, it's it's game changing. Um, And I think that it's going to open up all new primitives, especially when the two year treasury yield is not 4.88%. Uh, and TradFi is looking for things like 5.76% uh, on, on other types of investments. So that's when I think things uh, go back to normal uh, from a macro perspective. But anyway, just wanted to pull it up to like actually showcase kind of what it is and how it works. And, and that's it. Beast. Uh, all right, cool. Uh, let's see well, we got a, a comment that we have to address. Uh, Alpha Network, thank you for the donation, my friend. That is so generous. Uh uh, so I, I actually don't know the answer to this, so I'm going to kick it either Justin or, or Corval. What do you think of artificial intelligence and blockchain? Can, uh, can You can see AGX, USDT, FET, USDT chart. Congratulations on the job. Uh, I don't know who got a new job, but congrats. Uh, <laughs> I, like, you know, maybe you have a better perspective in this than I do. Uh,
2: I don't know if people want to hear this uh but
1: <laughs> hit us with uh, it dude
2: it's pretty much all vaporware um there there are very few use cases uh for this i mean i guess like you know um the the best use case for ai on the blockchain is analyzing transactions uh analyzing data formatting queries um things like that uh and and that's all like web 2 stuff You know, um, I I like the idea of AI for transaction analysis um, just because, like, it's impossible to, like, have a a perfect tool that catches all edge cases, but AI can do an okay job. But, you know, um, doing an okay job or doing a pretty good job is not sufficient for any blockchain use case. Like, the whole point of blockchain is its perfection, it's a triple ledger system. It ensures finality. It ensures execution. It ensures data is correct and salient. And when you inject something that cannot ensure that, or or you inject any element of, you know, no matter how good the AI is, it's not going to be perfect. Um, it just does. It's It's like mixing oil and water. It just does not work at all with blockchain. And AI companies raising money on a token that, that are doing other AI stuff. Awesome. You know, our company right. uses AI every day uh, in all sorts of use cases. It's the most useful thing. You know, probably one of the most disruptive things that's going to happen in our lifetime is the proliferation of AI. It's just shoehorning the AI like narrative into blockchain when they're totally like utterly different in, in their purpose in their execution, in their, you know, reason for existence, uh, is a little laughable to me. And I, I invested in FET back in like 2020 and I was like, Oh, this is neat. Uh, and then like, you know, I actually learned, uh, about how, uh, all this stuff works.
1: And, what's, uh, what's it, what's FET supposed to do? Like, what is Like th- I don't really have an opinion on it. I always thought it was kind of like very, um, like a, like a fad, like a trend, but like, what, what is this? How, how are the two supposed to even mix? Like, what, what are you supposed to do with an AI on the blockchain?
2: So I guess like, imagine if you could have um, something that is essentially like, they were marketing it early on as an Oracle solution, essentially, where you can have these AI, put these AI, uh, you know, keepers on rails and have them fetch data back and forth. And then you just ask the AI, and the AI will, you know, aggregate the data for you and do all this, do all that. It just like you think about oracles in practice. You think about how data is moved around blockchains in practice, and you know the trade-off domain. Like nobody wants like something that is almost good enough. You know, yeah. um, it, it's why Chainlink dominates. It's because we want guaranteed execution. We want verifiability. We want guaranteed everything. Um, you know, uh, it just is not. It there's no fit. It's like
1: would you would you, you know, would you walk across like an AI generated bridge, like a like it was just engineered by an AI, like a bridge?
2: No, I would not. Would you drive a car I across would not. it. <laughs> I, watch I would. I, I would. You know, AI is so that the. Uh, designer of the bridge can, you know, generate as many ideas and mood boards and whatever as quickly as possible. That's kind of how I see
1: the current use case of it is like, cause if you use it for any kind of writing, like you can use it to give you like a decent like outline or whatever. But even then it's still like, I mean,
0: I, I don't know how far down this road we want to go, but like, you don't think AI is going to like iterate 50 times? Like, isn't this like the start of it'll
2: iterate a thousand times and it still won't be good enough to guarantee good results. And it will always require it's like AI can do like the hardest part of any project is the last two, 3%. And AI is really great for getting you to that point. Um, It will never, ever like, you know, it will never. Get that last two, three, four, five percent, um, and and we can keep pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. But at, at a certain point, you're dealing with trade-offs. Uh, like it's it's pure trade-off. Like do we do we want to be able to do this, or do we want to be able to do this? And sure, you can stratify like I'm big now. <laughs> you can stratify like the market so much, and you can have a million AI companies focused on you know a million different things, but at the end of the day, you're you're just never going to be able to do it. Like our, our creative director uses like three different types of AI to help him get to like 90%, but he still needs to pop open Maya. He still needs to pop open Photoshop. He still needs to pop open After Effects. He still needs to do so much work because you can get something good enough. And that's what AI is good at, but good enough for like, you know, something that you need absolute perfection.
0: Um, I, I seen, I seen the babes that AI spins out, and those things are absolute perfection. So I'm, I'm gonna go side with AI here. Uh, but I pulled this up because this is a. Uh, That's is, none of my business,
2: bro. Never <laughs> back, right?
0: This is the state of the world uh, as AI expands. I, I watched iRobot last night i'm sorry i don't have it on screen uh and and like we had just had a conversation about you know chat gpt like you know going going nuts on people all this stuff so uh <laughs> don't know how it's going to turn out uh again thank you for the donation uh alpha network appreciated uh hopefully that information albeit maybe not as positive as you'd like is helpful uh, and we are going to kick it over to our last topic, which I think is an awesome one. Uh, and Bebis, I know you've got a ton to share here, but effectively, Ethereum Shanghai upgrade is finally here. Uh, it's going live sometime in March. Um, why should you care? So Ethereum basically planned to move uh, to proof of stake chain, where you know that's what we just talked about liquid staking derivatives, but uh, staking Ethereum into validators, and that, that happened in 2020. Uh, and back then people who wanted to be a validator had to stake 32 Ethereum or more to the network. Um, that was, in, that was locked up indefinitely, uh, until now. And so basically with EIP, four, eight, nine, five, these ETH stakers will be allowed to remove their funds from validators. So, uh, I don't know, Beavis is that, is that, is that it? Is that the summary?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So basically, um, you know, all this ETH has been locked up for so long to secure the proof of state state network. And now, they're implementing a withdrawal queue. So, you know, it's not going to be all at once. People will say, hey, I want to withdraw part of my node or I want to withdraw my whole node. And they'll like, you know, push through that every day uh, and, and unlock a certain amount of funds. Now, there's two like cases here. Um, there's the, Do the meme. bull case. Uh, you know, there's the people that are like, okay, Shanghai de-risks liquid staking derivatives by an order of magnitude almost, especially over time as the queue empties out um, initially. Uh, So think of like, you know, returning back to our kind of problem domain. Think about why we made reliquary. We made it because locking assets is extremely risky. And when an asset is immediately withdrawable, it costs a lot less uh, to, you know, get a person into that position or, or to bond that person up. You know, the value of the bond, they know the value of the bond doesn't uh, matter that much because they have their underlying assets. They can pull them out any time. So Shanghai unlocks that. And we've seen inflows to liquid staking derivatives grow immensely by multiples. Um, So, you know, the bull case is Shanghai is going to validate a lot of the ETH POS theses. It's going to validate a lot of the ETH POS yield products. It's going to make liquid staking derivatives way less risky. It's going to allow them to operate more as yield products and less as derivatives, you know, because, you know, you can enter and exit and sure, it may not be perfect quite yet. Um, So a lot of the bulls are like Shanghai will will turn ETH into, you know, God mode. And then you think about bullish unlocks, you think about DYDX, you think about OP, who have these big unlocks looming. And it's like, okay, now people are pumping money into the market and getting people excited and increasing volume. Um, So that's, the bull case, um, and I would say, additionally, like any event on Ethereum is is bullish because any volatility on Ethereum is bullish because you just open up the ultrasound money website and you soy face at the uh, the the burn rate. Um, what, what do so do you every that? every that,
0: that explain that like more simply,
2: uh, ETH it has negative issuance um, because it burns transaction fees. So any period mm-hmm. of volatility will burn more transaction fees and thus cause deeper negative issuance so any volatile period any event on ethereum is very bullish because it just reminds people hey you know even the bad stuff is good stuff at the end of the day yeah. um, because it, it gets people involved it, it injects uh, excitement into the ecosystem and volume um, now the bear case is is the obvious one. It's okay. We've it's got 117 billion. billion dollars of Ethereum or whatever trying to withdraw right now, and we have like all of these insolvent institutions with all this state ETH, um, like and and liquidators salivating at the idea of getting their ETH back. What happens? Um, and the obvious like thought there is, oh, it dumps, um, and and that's what uh, the kamikaze ETH guy. Uh, if you don't follow him, he's hilarious. I got uh, he changed got right his right. name to Kamikaze Fiat uh, because he thinks. He, I mean, I think he just shorted ETH, uh, but he's like yeah. a big ETH believer. So I've been cracking up at all his posting. Um, I don't even, like. I, I don't even know if he has a directional bet on this or what, or he's just trolling. But um, yeah, uh, you know, I'm. I'm. I think on the middle curve there. Uh, I think Shanghai <laughs> will. He said, you know, "Don't maybe, mid, He
0: says, "Don't mid the curve, dude." That's the one thing he I'm, said. Don't I'm, do. I'm,
2: I'm I'm dancing on the middle of the curve there. All right. uh, and you know, uh, I I think Shanghai will validate a lot of stuff uh, that Ethereum is in Ethereum's roadmap, and I think a lot of the people that are bullish ETH uh, will see it as a really strong opportunity to uh, pick up more uh, yeah. because, especially long term. Or medium term, it's going to be like massive, uh, because like I said before, it turns like it it makes Ethereum as a financial base layer, as a financial ecosystem, way more valid because it reduces the risk of of these LSDs, these yield products, and we're going to see them grow. You know, Ethereum having like an insane bond market that is on the compliant end of, of DeFi bond products. Of course, you know, Gary won't admit anything at this point, but, um, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see where things go. I'm going to mid-curve it um, just because like, you know, I'm still in USDC, so I'll mid-curve it and be on the sidelines.
0: (laughs) uh <laughs> that's the i mean that's the right way to do it right i mean so you you agree with tetranode shanghai upgrade is long-term plus 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 bullet as it completes another part of the puzzle is supply overhang allows steady uh inflow outflow state and makes market more discoverable um uh Corval, actually emmett do we have the show show me what you got uh sound i don't know if we do but if we do uh I, i'd love you to hit to play it Uh, And in the meantime, Corval, what do you think about this, man?
1: Yeah, I'm kind of uh, with Beavis. I'm probably maybe even a little bit more bullish on it. Uh, Like kind of like that previous tweet you you posted. I think like uh, it really, like once the ETH becomes withdrawable, like do you think people are going to like not want to stake ETH anymore?
0: Show me what you got. (laughs) Yeah, I'll show you, bro. (laughs)
1: Um, I I think it's just going to increase the the demand on those. It's going to make it more uh, appealing. Okay. So, so
0: I, I, I mean, look, man, I've got friends that say ETH in 2020 mm-hmm. and yeah. I've, so there's two, to be this point, there's two camps. One of my buddies is like, that shit's been there forever. It's up a massive amount from where I bought it. Like when I get it, I'm, I'm getting out and I'm taking profits. And the other's like, fuck that. We're in the, we're in like the worst bear cycle we've seen in forever. Like I'd be dumb to sell ETH at these prices. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I, I do think that, to Justin's point, there's probably institutions that are illiquid and have been for too long that mm-hmm. want out, uh, and and I'm more of, of of like, you know, this type of camp. I I don't know. Like, if you're watching this and and you're interested in picking up Ethereum, this might be it. Could potentially play out to be the you know one of the greatest opportunities to do so. Because ETH is not, you know, $1,280. I don't know what is it trading at right now. Like the twelve hundreds, dollars 1300 somewhere could be higher. I need to look. Uh, but to me, I'm using this, if we see a dip, I'm using this as an opportunity to buy that dip. Because I agree with Justin's thesis on the long-term um, sort of bullishness of what Shanghai and the rest of the upgrades to Ethereum Network bring. So I'm actually, in some ways, like kind of messed up. I'm sort of hoping for this. Uh, I've got I've had sables sitting around yeah. waiting for this event uh, in hopes that there could be a way to like, you know, double a bag of ETH because that's not I bad. want to
2: dump. But everybody wants a dump.
0: And right. I imagine
2: leading into Shanghai, we're going to see the thickest order books yeah. on on the buy side, like of all time. And like none of us cheap bastards who like <laughs> just hold USDC and spin around in their chairs are going to get any uh um, yeah and that's just how it is uh there's there's too much demand uh it, it improves eth fundamentally too much um i i hope there's a dump i hope you know being being in the mid curve uh is not the right move here but unfortunately i think it's it's going to be incredibly uh, bullish and any yep. any downward price action we see is like you know in the in the minute chart you know because because people are just going to be max bidding
0: steady Um, lads deploying more capital uh if you're watching this video man hit the like button tell your friends that we got a daily show and, and we love to 63 people here we love to see it let's double that number hit the like button let's grow this audience we are so excited to do this every day and be here with you troll us comment talk shit do what you want blow it up uh let us know what you think about the shanghai upgrade like if 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 things do drop are you guys gonna are you guys gonna actually try to buy in and pick up some ETH? curious as to what you think uh, about this in terms of the market uh so hit us in the comments and let us know so um you know justin like, is there anything that like since we have you and you're, you're here with your wonderful presence and, and deep knowledge? uh is there anything that shanghai enables like so many people built on phantom or built on avalanche or built on whatever obviously it's going to make layer twos like optimism like arbitrum like supposedly polygon uh you know better and and, then like you know the integrations between ethereum and the l2s are going to be even better with these upgrades that are coming to ethereum like is there a world that all these upgrades on ethereum actually detract from like the l1 narrative like i've wanted to ask you this for a while um, that I mean, I've like, said it a
2: million times.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know,
2: um, it, it just like being able to have Ethereum manager security and being able to have like whatever chain, whatever app chain, like L1s, unless they have a killer app, um, unless they have like, you know, this is the only place to do this in, in all of crypto they're just going to lose more and more and more and more market share. It is like literally inevitable. And I've, I've literally, I've said it maybe 20 times in the past, you know, six to 10 <laughs> months. Right. Um, it, it's like, you know, uh, L1s I don't think did a good enough job capturing market share, even in 2021 at their peak. Um, and Ethereum is just like, they have a monopoly and they have a monopoly on security bandwidth, they yeah. have a monopoly on literally everything decentralization uh, they, arguably yeah uh, you know and they just execute 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 they keep getting better um, and you know at, at this point like l2s like you think about like alternative evm alternatives l2s are doing that you know yeah. l2s are doing that with like the best starkware. engineers in the whole world
0: starkware um, dude i just i just interviewed starkware on on monday of this week and I was like, kind of blown away by how how advanced that they've gotten uh, with an L2. Dude, Starkware, Arbitrum, Nitro,
2: yeah. OVM, like Optimism, Arbitrum, Starkware, like this, this, like everything that we dream of in an L1 is is already happening at the L2 level. And really, the only like when gas fees get high again. Uh, on L2 it's and well, L1, we're going to see the L1 narrative come back. It's coming back 100%. 100%.
0: We're
2: not right. ready to just put away L1s because Absolutely there not. needs to be a place for those small players to participate. And that market just grows and grows and grows as, as ETH yields, uh, you know, or, or not ETH yields, but the ETH price goes up and ETH gas goes up. And that's right. happening as we speak. and And yep. we'll see that happen again and again and again. But you look at Ethereum's roadmap and it's like, you know. Eventually, Ethereum, L2s wherever the liquidity is going to be deeper, the product offerings are going to be more advanced. the opportunities are going to be much greater, the addressable market is going to be much greater. Um, you know, L1s will will, in my mind, be relegated to uh, gas is cheaper and transactions are faster, sort of niche. Um, and you know Phantom does a fabulous job uh bsc is getting better uh avalanche um does a good enough job you know but uh ethereum is just
0: give me dude
2: give me phantom on a freaking
0: l2 please this is gonna take years years to play out though like like if you think about the way that that all industries mature it's it's literally like you know inception a few core products are born there's a there's 50 replications of them. Like when I was in ad sales, ad networks spun up by the millions, and there was shitloads of them. Eventually, they all get weeded out. Everything gets whittled down, and there's like seven or eight major players, right? Your Amazon's, your Facebooks, your Google's, your et cetera. Um, we're going to see the same thing happen in blockchain, and it's going to be, I think, because Ethereum, which by the way, this could be a 10 year roadmap. We don't know how long all of this stuff's actually going to take. No, so it I, is a 10. It's a 10-20 year roadmap. Okay. So, yeah. So like, I do think okay. we will have another L1 season. I, you look, the other day I went and staked on a, a solidly fork on Ethereum. I paid uh, $91 or $92 in fucking gas just to get into exactly. the farm. Like it was, it was absurd. I was like, this is, yeah. I'm not like, like I was staking stables. I'd have to stay in that farm for like a month just to make my money back. And so, um, so there's definitely still a major place for L1s, but I, but I hear what you're saying. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. But, yeah, for the next five years. I mean, it, it's basically L1s. It's like, find product market fit or die is, right. is like it yep. for L1s. Um, and, and none of them like product market fit can't be our fees are cheaper uh, for now, you know. Um, and, you know, the, the trade offs just always land in each favor. In my mind, of course, I'm just one fool of you know millions. So, uh, we'll I've we'll seen see how in, things really shake out.
0: I've seen you be be right about a lot. Not to not to inflate your head or blow up your ego, but I've seen you be, oh, be right about a lot the of times. Smartest man ever. <laughs> <laughs> Corval, You got an opinion, bro. I want to ask Justin about about base from Coinbase, but I want to give you closing thoughts. Give, give us um, Jerry's final thoughts.
1: Jerry's final thoughts on uh, on ETH Shanghai.
0: ETH Shanghai
1: yeah i mean i'm just long-term bullish and i kind of you know it's hard it's hard to to disagree you know i love to to disagree i love to be a devil's advocate but i I agree with beavis like uh eth is king here like long term it's kind of hard to imagine especially with all of the advantages of l2s um and yeah shanghai they just keep doing it dude (laughs) it just keeps getting better and better um and it's going to be kind of hard to displace them. Like the whole idea that like Ethereum is going to lose to another L1 is kind of like ridiculous, I think. But um, yeah,
0: I think that but I think the, the at some point the DC is going to be big enough that there's going to be like multiple like the world, like multiple countries within it. And so I think that, you know, the, Yeah, you're going to have your Pepsi
1: to your Coca-Cola always. You're going right. to have, you know, Sam's Cola, RC Cola. <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, I think there's a chance
2: that ETH is just the world and all the different countries I think so. uh, and app chains or shards on Ethereum. Like, well, that's- like this, it is so hard to build this infrastructure to the level ETH has, and they are so far ahead. And given all of the resources in the whole world, nobody has come close. Um,
0: uh, so I, I saw that either, San, I don't know if it was Sandeep or Hamza, but one of the guys on Polygon was on Banter. Saying effectively what you just said, which is everything besides l 2s is is dead, Uh, which is a very controversial statement. And I've actually quite enjoyed like there's been a lot of animosity amongst chain leaders on Twitter lately, like fucking like going at each other, which has been interesting to watch. Like I certainly wouldn't participate, but I like the uh, competitiveness. And uh, it's been it's been kind of, you know, it's like everybody wants to win. And it's a fun environment when you have people that are passionate about what they do. Uh, so yeah. I have sort of enjoyed watching this stuff play out. Too. <laughs> it's, 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 there's been some shit talking going on uh, and, and maybe rightfully so, I don't know. Um, But it's, it's been fascinating to see, and it's going to continue to be fascinating to see. And if you watch the daily show enough, you're going to stay ahead of those, of, of all the, the things Ooh. that come next. Uh, and so, Uh, you know, again, for the 70 folks here, thank you for tuning in. We very much appreciate you guys. You guys are the reason we do this. Uh, Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, let people know that the show is happening. And in the comments, tell me, if we had BlockBytes merch and sold it, would you guys buy it? I got a blockbite. You can golf polos, hats. Stuff what if we like have that. a
2: stenciled, uh, Corval's face, uh, yeah. on a shirt. Yeah. That's right. Burp around we, your
1: town, dude. Oh wait, I think yeah. you're of know, stencils in my face.
0: If We get Corval's <laughs> face on, on, on a, a hoodie. Would you buy it? Let us know what you'd like to see if we had some blockbites merch. Um, all right. We are so far over time for what is traditionally a 35 minute daily show. But you know what? Fuck it. Today, on this hump day, we're going to ride it a little bit further because we got Beavis here and shit is super fun. So Beavis, I need your opinion. I wanted to ask you. I didn't get a chance. Coinbase launches base. We just went through the entire L2 narrative. We just said that Ethereum is probably going to dominate the world. Uh, The World Economic Forum is probably then going to take us and put AI and robots and take over the rest of the world and use Ethereum uh, as a way to do that. You'll own
2: nothing and you'll (laughs) be happy. (laughs)
0: <laughs> but, but with base launching uh, as a optimism uh super you know building a super chain on optimism as a layer 2 uh on ethereum you know what's your opinion bro <laughs> like what's what what's, what happens next
2: uh, i mean we're going to
0: billion users
2: ever if if you believe marketing copy like every company in all of web3 is going to onboard the next billion users and then web3 is going to have like 80 billion users. Uh, so (laughs) I, you know, I, I don't buy that deep into, into the onboarded next billion users narrative, but, um, I, I think they will, uh, you know, increase the total addressable market of DeFi massively um, quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, I see like basically, okay, they're, they're deploying all this DeFi infrastructure, uh, hopefully surfacing it in their applications um, and using it to settle trades using like bulk account abstraction and whatever. And it's kind of like, you know, it gives them a place to store their coins in such a way that it's not crazy expensive to transact. So we might even see a lot of Coinbase liquidity um, hanging around on there, which is mm-hmm. really, really dope. Um, to me, it's just like one step in, in what will be a long journey of app chains. And what was originally talked about as sharding, um, you know, where, okay, Ethereum that is going to be split into all these shards and each of these shards is going to contain a separate instance of, of EVM and, and separate state. And we're going to cross communicate between shards in 2021. The Ethereum foundation was like, uh, actually, we're just going to do this on rollups. And then suddenly like, you know, uh, optimism and Arbitrum started going ham and now optimism has essentially built you know, what we would, what we're more familiar with is like Avalanche subnets. I think they were, you know, yeah. the first to market with something like this. Imagine yeah. that, but for Ethereum. Good and yeah, that's, that's the OP stack and, and essentially like a layer of interoperability between Ethereum and all these L2 networks managed by Optimism. Um, and, and really what this says is, you know, it's base right now, but we're going to see more and more and more and more and more L2s built on that stack. And the thing is, as someone who runs a business in this space, like that is by far the best option for spinning up a blockchain network right now. Um, For all of the blockchain as a service uh, companies or whatever, like the opportunity to create an L2 and plug into an L2 ecosystem like that is massive. So when we're thinking about, you know, how can we service our business clients? How can we, you know, in, in five years from now when we're dealing mostly with external financial institutions, banks, or professional liquidity providers, and, and you know surfacing abstract applications and things, how can we keep you know control fees? How can we control execution? How can we maintain compliance in our specific jurisdiction? You know, the answer is is something as simple as the OP stack. And and their idea is, you know, they want you to be able to do NPM run OP stack Uh, in your command line and suddenly whip out a blockchain uh, that borrows Ethereum security, that borrows their infrastructure and their prover. Um, So yeah, you know, it it starts with base. And I think obvious first client, like we're going to show you that this is so useful that we can get Coinbase on board, but we're going to see like a million similar stories. And that's how we onboard the next million users is just by having these really focused applications these really focused blockchains where you don't have to deal with every other apps thorough put um it's just hey we have this use case you know we're jp morgan you know l2 chain we're oh. settling all these transactions on our our cool little chain nobody else is allowed. uh and you know now we have better financial infrastructure and we can set the cost to whatever we want so
1: um, I, I i agree uh, with you. like base sorry corbel no i was just saying that's badass dude uh, just npm run your own fucking blockchain off the bat. Yeah, it's round right the package. It's, That's all awesome.
2: Yeah, they want to they want to make deploying blockchains as easy as deploying smart contracts, which is totally feasible. Um, and you know, you get that. You take all of their funding and their deep partnerships. Like, imagine if you could surface Chainlink oracles as easily as deploying a smart contract. And now Chainlink has that level of scalability. And all of this is just on the same base layer. Uh, that borrows from Ethereum security. And of course, right now it's kind of centralized. You know, their prover is is guarded by a multi-sig, um, which in my opinion is better security mm, than uh, mm, a lot of- 50, 50
0: billion floating in DeFi. The DeFi industry is controlled by Chainlink. Chainlink secured by one multi-sig. One, one multi-sig controlled by unknown people. It's the Chris downfall Beck! of crypto. Whoa, that's crazy. The smartest guy ever. Whoa. <laughs>
2: but
0: yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> Yeah, it is uh, certainly um, not as simple as that kind of complexity, so,
0: but so Emmett, can you play the noise again? Like basically optimism is is saying <laughs> Show me what you got.
2: <laughs> Show me
0: what you got. There we go. To all of the L2 space cuz to my to to, to your point babe like I, I believe that Coinbase is paving the way for DeFi or for for excuse me, for TradFi uh and for um you know fintech to look at things like blockchains and say great we don't need a token we can do this without it thus the idea of having a security is not there uh and they're gonna they're gonna find feasible ways to build out custom-made products that are scalable uh to your point really 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 quickly and so to me this is a massive adoption for blockchain uh narrative and and it's bullish for crypto but it's just super bullish for blockchain period yeah
2: Totally. It's
0: super dope
2: um, and I don't see blockchain going any other way than app chains uh, and optimism is by far the leader. So um, crazy, crazy awesome. You can even look at Arbitrum like an awesome, like probably the best case uh, of an app chain where it's like they have GMX on this chain and they have 50 products that exist to support uh, GMX and and hedge GLP and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, they have this beautiful use case and are proving to be one of the most successful blockchain networks, DYDX doing something similar on, on Cosmos. We're going to see that just happening more and more, um, where it's like, we don't need all this other crap. You know, we have our use case. We're going to build out an ecosystem around this use case. We're going to deploy it on our blockchain and then we're going to spin around in our chairs.
0: So your, your, your time is precious and, and, and I do value it. And I know you, you probably have a shitload to do today, but my, my only, <laughs> my, my last and final question, we're going to end the show. Cause we are 30 minutes over. <laughs> uh, what about when there's 10 different L2s like, and they all need bridges and like, like bridges are still too shitty to like make all of this functional into like this. Like I, I understand base building on optimism and then everything that else builds on optimism can be part of a super chain. And it's like bridges connection. Yeah. Like that, but like, like, it's such it won't have become a massively disparate ecosystem of l2s that are just strewn throughout
2: yeah that's why that's why optimism builds the way they do that's why they make it easy because they're creating a standard and right now bridges suck because aggregation sucks everybody's api is different everybody's trying to create this standard everybody's doing you know their own thing uh, you know kicking daisies around or whatever um, but you know same thing that kind of Avalanche sells, same thing that Polygon sells with their Supernets. Um, it's like if you have a common API then you can create big, common bridge infrastructure that can connect to those APIs out of the box um, and we're going to see that and it's going to be really, really easy to integrate hyper-secure battle-tested bridges because everything's going to be the same and you can expect exactly the same thing and In you know, I'm nation, sure we'll yeah. have a lot of Hiccups, but yeah standardization is is the key and right now bridges suck because there are a hundred of them there's no clear winner yet uh and every api is totally different so you know security models get invalidated you know at the uh drop of a hat so all right
0: well we've covered a ton of ground today my, my only other question is Corval, are you excited for friday for across the chains
1: I'm so excited. I don't know if I'm gonna be on it. Am I? Are you? I so, is that are you telling me that I'm gonna be on it again? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll sit out, and you can take my spot. We'll oh see. no, dude. Yeah. I don't know. Be oh no. That's good. a big shoes to fill. That's a big hat to fill, bro. <laughs> we'll
0: we'll, it's we'll skip you to, uh, the the hat. We'll get you a Jacksonville Jaguars hat.
2: Okay, I've got cool. one quick shill while we have 68 beautiful viewers. Who sure. I know are going to like, comment, and subscribe and turn their notifications on and send me $1,000 each. No, that's <laughs> right. Uh, we oh, are going oh. to be um, shooting a, a live uh, Big Red podcast uh, Quote unquote. in a handful of hours. You should follow the Twitter at Big Red Podcast. Uh, and I'll be talking about a lot of The same stuff we talked about with super chains and whatnot, just a lot more in depth. Uh, Where,
0: Where, where is it? When is it? How do you watch it? I don't know. (laughs)
2: go
0: go go on twitter find the bite masons profile find the big red twitter i guarantee the details are there go check out the bite masons discord i guarantee the details are probably there as well uh i'm hoping that someday i get an invite to the big red podcast because i would love to lead that shit and uh and i definitely you can hope- you can
2: come on today if you want it's I mean, like just me and charles right now everybody's at east denver so like, that's bro, right
0: we're where we should be, by the way. So shout out to the folks that are at Eat Denver. Uh, I'm sure it's a kick-ass time. Um, to the 61 of you who stuck around, you are freaking awesome. We love you. Thank you're you. A hero. Uh, hit. a You're a hero. Hit the like button. Uh, we're. Hey, guess what? We're coming back tomorrow. When? Same time, same place. Noon Eastern. Uh, the Daily Show continues. It rolls on. Austin has big news. I'm not going to break it for him. Dude. But he will, he'll be back eventually. And when he's back uh you know it's always gonna be it's always you better kiss his feet um i'm i'm i'm
2: excited for austin
0: you might see me more
2: because we need to give austin some space we yep
0: we uh we gotta we gotta show austin some love he's got a lot of, of, of very good things going on but i'll let him share that with the community when he's back like i said guys Share this with your friends. Like, we really want to bro- grow this thing. Like, we put in a lot of time and effort to try to make this good. If it sucks, let us know. If you love it, let us know. Uh, we're available on Spotify. We're available on on uh, Apple Music, um, and the shows are are up. You know, sort of immediately following this. So every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, catch us live at noon. Uh, I'm gonna start doing Twitter Spaces every Monday because shit, I like that. And uh, turn on the notifications, like the channel, subscribe. Bebus, you're a freaking awesome guest, man. Thank you so much. Corval, I, just every day I, I smile because just your mustache is too good. <laughs> Thank you. With that said, guys, have an awesome, awesome Wednesday. Come back tomorrow. We'll be here. Oh. See you then. Emmett, clip that. <laughs>